I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels. Hey, y'all. I'm JJ. Hey, guys. I'm Kat, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings Podcast. And on this episode, we have Joshua Miller. He is a really cool TikTok account to follow. Um, I am originally from Mississippi, so I'm familiar with a lot of the places he covers in Alabama. So like, if you ever want to kind of dive into the spookiness in the Southeast, Josh has you covered for Alabama. There's pretty much everything you can know about hauntings. He's got it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Are you originally from Alabama? I am. I was uh, born and raised in Auburn and uh, stayed there for a while, went to school at uh, UAB and then left with my wife. And then we, we just actually came back. Oh, awesome. To the same area? Same area. Yep. Cool. cool. Do you, either of you, JJ or Noah, have family or friends in Alabama? Uh, well, just my future in-laws. Right. But yeah, other right. than that, no family. You mean Cat's uh, TikTok famous parents? <laughs> Uh, they went viral for like one video. Um, that's like a million views. It has like 1.9 million views. It's insane. They're like, they're like the be specific Noah. They're like the lamest. No, they're cool. They're cool. They're cool. Not well. They're cool, but they're not like go viral on TikTok. Cool. And I was pretty unexpected. And they're like in their late sixties. And I was just slow-mo filming very random stuff and they went viral. But anyways, all of this to say my mom is from, Marion, Alabama. Oh, yeah. 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 We got yeah. some Marion ghost stories. So we have some interesting conversations there. Um, but that's my kind of tie. And I have some, they live in Georgia now, but I still have some family in Mobile and things like that. So, but I'm very excited to hear your stories. 
and we're actually all in Atlanta, so we're actually not too far from you if you're in Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a brief stint in Atlanta. Um, I loved it there. I might end up moving back at some point. I'm pretty sure. Mm, nice. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Do you know, sorry, I know your, your focus is on like the kind of haunted history of like Alabama, uh, Mississippi, but do you have historical ghost stories around Atlanta as well? Um, yeah, actually, um, I, I covered a few, maybe it was like a month or two ago. One Not was, to put you on the spot. Or <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's all good. Um, it was called, it's called the estate and it was actually, uh, a, it's a wedding venue that was pulled from uh, Washington County. For some reason, it just, there's no really rhyme or reason. It's in Buckhead. Uh, there's really no rhyme or reason why it's haunted. It just, it's one of those things that I think that like, if you are a person who believes in hauntings, uh, it was like residual in the wood that they, you know, carried over from Washington to build in Buckhead. I can't remember the story right offhand because it was so long ago, but yeah, I, I, I have quite a few from Atlanta. That was, that's the one that comes to mind uh immediately though it probably also uh, hates buckhead and wants to leave so it's on its way out of there well something we would like to find out from our guests josh is where they fall on what we call the believe meter meaning zero they don't believe in ghosts and 10 ghosts are absolutely real where do you fall on that scale uh believe it or not i'm i would say i'm probably a five okay nice shocked, five, shocked. you're in good company josh five's a good <laughs> number that's awesome we haven't been talking for much, but it seems like you're really into the history and the facts, but also there's probably some things that you just can't explain. Yeah, I always like to say that um, the paranormal is kind of a hook. Uh, there's so much history in Alabama, and that's kind of where I started. I've always kind of been into cryptids and, you know, learning about the paranormal and things I don't understand. And I always think that there's history that's layered in that we just never get unless we talk about the paranormal. And I also think there's there's tons of scientific kind of happenings that we also don't understand that can intertwine. And I, I like to talk about the paranormal, it's fun, but the history is, I think, one of the most important things that you can pull from any of these ghost stories. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're like researching uh, in an area and like trying to learn about just like the, the haunted history of it, like what, like, where do you go to to like kind of start that research? Because I, I feel like it's hard to find like other than just like random websites, haunted.com or whatever, or, okay, or the, the go hauntings to, podcast. Do not go to haunted.com if you're listening to this because we have no clue what's on that website. So like as, as someone who cares about like the history and the facts, like what's like, where do you go to to kind of start that research? Honestly, I started a list and sometimes like I do straight up just go to like, uh, you know, like hauntedrooms.conferences and say, okay, they've talked about this. Now, can I actually find historical context behind this? Can I, uh, are there news articles about this? Is, uh, are people actually talking about this in a way that can actually be documented? So uh, I try my best to make sure that every single story, uh, if you Google it, you will find something. I don't like to pull from forums. I don't like to pull from Reddit. And if I do happen to come across something that's super interesting, I, I really try to do my best to do some type of due diligence uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm actually presenting a real story and not just something that, you know, I fabricated or, you know, had to pull in extra things. I like to be, you know, cut and dry, cut out all the gimmicks and just present people what I find. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, before we jump into some of your stories about Alabama and the surrounding areas, I would love to know, do you have any hauntings in your past? Yeah, um, there's a haunting that actually follows me 
uh, not not the way that you think, not the way that you think. I, I worded that wrong. There's a <laughs> that I've kept since I was a child, uh, and this goes back to my um, my grandmother's house. She lived in a place in Auburn. Um, it was actually now that I think about it, very close to uh, a haunted cemetery. Uh, but she had a home, and uh, when I was really young, she was in there from I want to say from like five to nine years old. I used to I used to sleep with you know, my grandmother in, in her bed. So uh, I thought you were going to say with a ghost. Oh, <laughs> oh God, JJ, I thought you were going to say with your grandmother. No. And I was like, Noah, I, I knew you were going to say that, Noah. Why? Why did we have to go no. there? And I knew you were going to say that as soon as it left my mouth. Um, <laughs> we all knew, Noah. <laughs> but I, I just never liked to sleep alone in her house. It just always felt like there was something watching me. Her house would get really dark in some places, even when light would hit. So it, it was just a really strange house. Uh, and even as a kid, I was just not into the house at all. So uh, when nighttime came, I would always beat her to the bed. I would always go to sleep first. But usually I would end up waking up in the middle of the night. And she had a window on the side of the bed that I actually ended up sleeping in, uh, go figure. To this day, like I, I remember vividly seeing people talking outside of her window. Sometimes she didn't close her blinds. Just talking outside, just having a conversation. And I would wake her up and say, hey, do you see those people outside? And she's like, no, it's just tree limbs. And I would consistently do this over and over every time that she lived in that house uh, to the point where I actually ended up seeing another haunting inside of her actual room. Uh, there was a woman, uh, kind of an older lady who would walk from her bathroom uh, with a basket of clothes and she would sit in the chair that was in the corner of her room and fold clothes. And as I started coming to, uh, she would disappear. And so it's kind of one of those things where it could be sleep, but it's also it just kind of stays with you. you. You can't really explain it. You yeah. know what you're seeing, but you can't quite put, you know, anything to it. And, and I was young enough to be very straightforward and genuine with like, hey, like there's some people outside of the window and hey, there's somebody in your room. And she never seemed to see this person or these people, I should say. Right. Um, mm. So that's kind of one of my lighter <laughs> ghost yeah. stories. So wow. you're a five on the scale, but you had these repeated hauntings is it because of your age that you're kind of leaving room for skepticism there it is i, I had another light-hearted story i got lost at a fair and my parents said i came home and, and swore uh and swore to god that an angel saved me uh and brought me to the police station and i came home that was my story i stuck to it and so i've had different experiences like those where i was very adamant about what i saw but i could never you know when you're young there's so yeah. many, you're barely paying attention sometimes. There's a, uh, my wife actually told me about this. There's a phenomena that where little children don't look up sometimes when a parent is grabbing their hand. So uh, if a stranger were to come, sometimes they don't, they aren't cognizant enough to, to look up and, and recognize a face. So mm -hmm. um, that could also play a, a part in huh. it. Have you ever been in a crowd at like a park or like a concert and a kid just kind of randomly walks up and grabs your legs and then looks mm. up? And it's like, oh my God, or, you know, freaks out. <laughs> or, or you watch that happen. I've seen that happen I, so many I've times. I've been same that thing, kid. They, they don't, that, that was JJ sense. last week. <laughs> <laughs> I, like if I wasn't like a, adult size, I'm sure I would still do that. Yeah. yeah. There's a kid in my uh, kid's daycare and it's so funny when he was, so my kid is two, but when he was when he was like one, this kid would waddle over to me and just go dada and look up. And now I like know his name or whatever, you know. And so when I go in there, he's just really like 
kind of like funny looking kid, like, like in a positive way and not like a negative way. He just always has like funny expressions on his faces. And he'll like bring me cereal when I come into their classroom to get my kid. And he like holds it up. And then my son walks over and he goes, my dad, not your dad. Wow. <laughs> That's um, funny. So I want to know how you got started on like your TikTok and your social media. Is that what, or had you been doing this before kind of the era of TikTok? Uh, actually, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll be completely honest. Uh, when I was, as a kid, I didn't really care about history that much. It was just like, we learned the past, we move on. No, I actually started really using my TikTok maybe earlier this year. My wife was on maternity leave. Uh, I got bored. I, wow. st I started out doing skits. I like to think that I'm funny sometimes. I kind of am, I'm kind of not. <laughs> Depends on the person. I just wanted to learn more about Alabama. I moved home. Um, I had actually come across uh, an old house that's known to be very haunted uh, in Opelika. And I drove over there with my wife and said, this is the house that everybody's talking about all the time, just so you can lay eyes on it. And that kind of sparked it. And I was like, well, I know about this story. Do people in the surrounding area know about the story? Do people um, in Birmingham or Gadsden or Florence or Mobile know about this story? And that kind of sparked my, uh, I guess, thought to say, hey, like, I mean, TikTok's here. I, I don't use it. I, I'm about to delete it, probably. Um, let me just see what happens if I just start telling these stories. And, and that's just kind of how it started. I wanted people to, to get the same experience as me, where they learn about places that they didn't know about, or they expound upon uh, urban legends that they kind of heard in passing, and actually go and, and do some research and add more layers to the state, because the state is riddled with history. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious. So you, you've had several videos or more than several go viral on the spooky talk. What was the first one that kind of set things apart for you? And you were like, Oh, I think I got something here. That is a good question. I, I was posting so regularly at that point that I wasn't really keeping track. Or I guess maybe a different way to put it. What has been like one of the fan favorite episodes that you continue continue to get like comments and feedback on since you posted it i would say uh probably bear creek swamp that was the one that really i guess i do have an answer to your question that was the one that really uh got a ton of engagement it kind of caught me off guard uh and it was kind of in the middle of a it's kind of in the middle of nowhere to be honest and i wasn't expecting so many people to have experiences with the roadway yeah, I think that was the one where I was like, okay, I, I should probably keep doing this because even I didn't know about the swamp before I, I covered it. Can you share with us what, what that one's about? Yeah, so Bear Creek Swamp is, it's, it's one where uh, the Alabama tribe, which is basically where Alabama got its name, uh, resided well before settlers came. So it was native land and it was also sacred land as well. Uh, and once European settlers started kind of moving in and moving them out um, as if you do any research in ghosts, <laughs> I would say probably 60 or 70% of it has to do with some type of indigenous culture. Just it's, it's, it was their land, still kind of is their land. And it just seems like mystical or paranormal things tend to follow that land. So people would drive on this road uh, completely normally in the daytime. But when nighttime hit, it just something changed about the atmosphere. People would be frightened almost immediately. Um, and it's, it seems like it's one of the birthplaces of the, hey, I have your baby kind of myths. 
Um, this one is no different. So the, the main myth is you go to the road, you drive down the road, it's a dirt road in the middle of a swamp. And you, you say, hey, I have your baby three times. And shortly after that, people across the board have gotten experiences uh, almost immediately. They've heard a woman laughing. They've heard something walking through the swamp. Uh, they've seen lights. Um, they've heard fast approaching, whatever it may be, uh, whether it's a creature or, or an animal or her, as people like to, to point to, uh, approaching them very fast to the point where they're, they're legitimately terrified. Um, on top of that, it kind of sets the chain of motion for other experiences as well. People have seen uh, indigenous spirits. Uh, they've seen soldiers. They've seen early settlers. There's a four foot apparition that jumps out in front of people's cars that people cannot explain. Uh, they get oh out and it's, and it's gone. They see weird lights and it's not just relegated to this part of the swamp. There was uh, a person on my uh, TikTok who commented and said, hey, I live like really close to here. Uh, I, I see these lights as well. I, I told that story and it just, the, the wellspring of people who said, I've been on this road, I've experienced this, just kind of came fl flooding out of the gates. And uh, even to this day, like people will comment on other videos of mine still talking about Bear Creek Swamp uh, and, and constantly saying, hey, you should cover this, hey, you should cover this if they're new uh, to my page. So that was one of the kind of the spookier ones that kind of unsettled me a little bit. Uh, just because like I, I have tremendous respect for indigenous culture. I know if they say it or something happens around what they have going on, I tend to believe them just because they know the land better than we do. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Did you ever chills. <laughs> Did you ever try it? I have not tried it yet. I have a, a map kind of sorted out for when I'm going to go to some of the non-private places. And so this is on the list to see if I experience anything at all. Uh, I, right. I would say that my experiences from my childhood have definitely slowed down as I've gotten older. So mm. maybe it's a little bit of that skepticism in me. Right. The the phrase, hey, I have your baby. How aggressive is that? I wish we could be right? like, hey, I have an apple if you want some. <laughs> and they're like, woo, instead of like, give me my baby. Back. I know this poor ghost is probably like re-traumatized every time yeah. someone goes, I've got your baby. Of, of course, it could be like an urban legend kind of thing, like obviously room for skepticism. But if there really is spirit on land where a bunch of Native Americans were were robbed of their right to that land, and then someone right. says, hey, I have your baby, that says a lot about just our history in oh, general God. as a country. Like that. <laughs> yes, it Josh. does. If you know something that has history, like approaching it with as much respect as you possibly can. I, I cringe a little bit when 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 I know people are out there being like, hey, I have your baby, just because I, I think that kind of like I said, that respect factor uh, decreases. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really big on, I will do my best to, to preserve, you know, your, your legacy and your history. And I won't, uh, I won't provoke you. I, I'm not big into the, the provoking aspect of investigation. So um, I, it gives me chills for other reasons as well. Kind of like you were, you were mentioning. It just, it seems like it comes in a very, Distasteful is the best way that I can describe. I don't mean it so yeah. harshly, but uh, that's kind of how I feel about the kind of like summoning things like this. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. 
And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Well, and two, there's been a lot of vilification of Native American culture coinciding with supernatural. So, I mean, that's cool that you approach it from a respectful place. That was something that Becky, my bloody Galantine, we were talking, I think it was in a podcast or maybe off air that she kind of pointed out to me. And and I guess I knew that, but I hadn't really thought of, about how true that is because honestly, we don't, we haven't had a ton of podcast episodes that have delved into that part of the supernatural. We've had some, and we were lucky enough to have somebody on who is a Native American um, to share some of his his history. So that was cool. But, but yeah, I think that's the best way to approach it, not to kind of awkwardly segue uh from this but i do have one question just i was just remembering did you have a video about bigfoot in alabama too or cryptids as well sorry that's I, a great segue Woo! <laughs> yeah i actually i had multiple well i call them multiple there's two i have two separate videos one's uh the alabama white thing which that's the most alabama name I, like i could it's just geez uh we don't did do ourselves say- white white thing or fang oh no thang thang okay so, cool. jj is very jj is very white so jj we, uh, what we're you reiterating call, that and that also a very a very big jack london fan so you know <laughs> jj isn't that what you call cat 
when you uh, see her around the house? <laughs> yeah, I told you not to mention that on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that, what would that even connotate? I missed it. But <laughs> you, I was like, wow, no response from Cat on that. Okay. What if gonna... I was like, yeah, duh. Is that a problem with that? <laughs> I guess we should find out what this is first. <laughs> okay, yeah. I want to find out what Alabama white thing is before, before we go into the connotations of the white thing. But anyway, <laughs> put um, that aside. We definitely don't do ourselves any favors when we name things um, <laughs> at all. And it, I, I kind of tied this in. I, I kind of waited to do these two videos. Uh, one is about the Bigfoot capital of the Southeast, which is in Evergreen, Alabama, you know, little known fact, uh, but also the white thing, which has been seen across the state. I have several theories. Um, some of them I left out of my video. The general context is that uh, there's a big seven, eight foot tall creature uh, likes to hang out in what's known as the cryptid, uh, a cryptid triangle, which is Jefferson County's, Etowah County's, Etowah County and Morgan County, which have very dense forests, uh, a lot of hills. And they people see three different variations of this creature. Uh, one is a Sasquatch-like creature, Bigfoot-like creature. One is kind of a, they say, it's kind of confusing how they describe this, but they say it's a dog that kind of looks like a lion that's really big. So kind of a white dog man-ish uh, creature. And like the dog, other... dog man as in it's like walking on two legs or or like, is it still walking on four legs? Yeah, like it, it can. Like it, it kind of mm. picks and chooses depending on who's experienced. Almost like a life. werewolf sort of. Yeah, very similar. That Those two are kind of, you know, those are traditional cryptids. But the third one is also another one that kind of unsettled me a little bit when I was doing my research. They say it's it's a white creature with no hair, uh, no ears, and no eyes. And it's kind of slender Ooh. and it likes to hang around caves and dark places. And Ooh. I looked up a picture of that and it just, it sent chills down my entire body. I don't know why it spooked me so much, but it's something about that description uh, kind of lurking in the woods that that was really unsettling. Um, and people have seen, the, the highest concentration is in that triangle, uh, but people have seen all three of those creatures from North Alabama all the way down to South Alabama, even into Mobile. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's something else. I, 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 I like to pull back to, you know, kind of how the silverback gorilla was found. It was just kind of hanging out in the woods and nobody knew it was there until like the early 1900s. And they were like, oh, huh. yeah, uh, big monkeys in our woods. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of, I like to think that it might be some type of animal because Alabama is so thick and there's tons of spaces in Alabama that haven't even been touched. And that kind of segues into the actual Bigfoot lore as well, um, because it seems like there's another variation of whatever this thing might be kind of in the evergreen Alabama area. So that's where the Conecuh National Forest is. Mm -hmm. And if you go to evergreen, people will swear to you that they have seen Bigfoot numerous times. Some people have had one-offs. Some people will say, I see him every time I go hunting. And um, it's big. Uh, one of the more famous incidences, uh, incidents were, uh, was when claw marks bigger than any bear could have made were found in a tree. And made national news, and people were really talking about it, and kind of reinvigorated the, the Bigfoot lore. I never knew wow. that about yeah, Alabama. That's fascinating. That, yeah. that little, the little Alabama white thing sounds like your 
Does that sound stupid when I say it? <laughs> no, just your your out inner Alabama came out a little bit. Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, it sounds a little bit like your little Lord of the Rings friend. My Lord of the Rings friend? Your little Gollum baby. Oh, yeah. Gollum. Like a little Alabama Gollum. I kind of thought about that guy in a Pan's yeah. Labyrinth who like has the eyeballs in his oh, hands. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I pictured. So we know you're a five on the, the ghost scale, but when it comes to Bigfoot and or just cryptics in general, like where where do you fall on that? Yeah, I'm a little bit different on on cryptids. Yeah, um, I, I think I would honestly say I'm probably like an eight or a nine. No, wow, I thought it was gonna be the opposite. Wow, me too. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, I I tend to believe that cryptids uh, have a little have a little bit more backing scientifically. I mean, <laughs> that's loosely said, of course. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like I mean it's unless it's like one that has like magical powers. It's not something beyond the realm of what we think of as being possible right yeah i mean we found animals that have been existing for millions of years so it's not i don't find it as hard to believe that there could be you know like for instance for alabama a species of of ape that we haven't found i mean apes are known to be very elusive so Mm -hmm. uh you know or going into deep rivers and the coosa river is a great example of this uh, it it literally flows all the way to the ocean from Tennessee. Um, it's called different things when it makes its way down there, but it's a connected water source. And I I, I feel like if if bull sharks can be found in uh, the river in Chattanooga, then God only knows what other kind of creatures, which may be former sea creatures or just old, you know, sea, uh, old river animals could be found in there so like i, I think yeah. that like when you start thinking about it like that cryptids have a little bit more basis because they, they tend to be more animal-like um, yeah. as opposed to a, a ghost or apparition hmm. well and That's if you think point. about like like the kind of bigfoot or the more like humanoid or ape like creatures i mean if they're if they're intelligent like it makes sense that they would want to stay as hidden from us as possible i mean we like we killed all the other human species uh, and like the Neanderthals and driven everything else to almost being extinct. So like maybe it's a survival strategy that they're so hidden. Very true. I think we have no clue the amount of things out there that haven't been discovered. I think it would be absolutely mind blowing for a lot of people who live in a closed bubble. It'd be great for wildlife conservation. If someone like found a Bigfoot somewhere and then, okay, look, here's an endangered species. (laughs) Got to protect this forest. Whatever, man. They would throw that thing in a zoo so fast. (laughs) So fast. (laughs) I know you did um, prepare some, you know, stories for us tonight. We may have covered some of them, but is there one that you want to go over particularly before we wrap up? Yeah. So this one is is more of a about a ghost town that most people didn't know about. So of course everybody knows about Lake Lanier. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's everybody knows about Oscarville as well, and people know a lot about the hauntings that take place on Lake Lanier. Um, I try to tell all of my fellow Black people: do not get in that water. Yeah. Do not do it. There's just been too many just freak accidents and coincidences that could mm-hmm. be paranormal, could not be. Either way, the water has some bad mood you on it. The the fact For, that people say they swim in it and feel hands grab them and like try to pull them, them down, down. Uh, that's a big nope. note for me. Nope. For, our, for our listeners who don't know like about Lake Lanier, just just 
Google it or watch season three of Atlanta because there's a really <laughs> great episode for Guardians. Yes, Lanier. episode one. Oh, very yeah, that's right. That was uh-huh. the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, very jarring episode to start out with. Uh, yeah. But yeah. a good one nonetheless. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I already don't mess with like water too. So like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in there anyways. Um, but I, I was doing some research on lakes in Alabama and actually came across probably the most traveled lake in the entire state, which is Lake Mark. And um, I started searching up, okay, well, I don't know, you know, there's a dam here, there's an electrical company here. So I wonder if they also flooded towns and it turns out that they did. Uh, and they literally wiped off uh, a couple of towns from like the, the face of the earth to the point where there is no real historical record uh, about them. So I did some, some really deep digging uh, for a couple of days uh, before I felt comfortable even doing a story about it. And uh, it's, really, it's really a remarkable story about a ghost town or a, the ghost of a town, as I like to call it uh, in the story. And it was about a, a slave. His name was John Benson. He worked uh, on the river. It was known as Kalijah. He worked on the Kalijah Creek. Once the Civil War ended, he was able to, to get his mule. Um, his sister had previously been sold uh, into slavery in Florida, so he went to go and get her, and he found her. And as you know, Florida's huge. So the fact that he even did that with just a mule is incredible, considering the time period that he was in. He came back and he started working at the Shelby Mill uh, or the coal fields to, to make enough money to buy some property on his former plantation, which he ended up doing. Uh, with the slave labor force uh, being wiped out, he continued to just buy different pieces of property uh, until he eventually bought out his entire plantation, as well as several other plantations in the area uh, with the money that he was making with tilling the soil. Um, He was so successful to the point where he was able to actually pay workers to work the land. So he he completely revitalized the labor that used to be there and turned it into an actual workforce. Uh, He he garnered over 3,000 acres, uh, which is also unheard of. And if you know anything about between Auburn and Birmingham, the fact that he was able to do this just as a black man was is, mm-hmm. is an incredible feat. Um, and so I'm gonna give you the, the cliff notes. He built a really big town. Uh, he was uh, building houses, over a hundred families stayed there. Um, he was importing and exporting things internationally. Um, he created the first uh, black owned railroad uh, in the country right there. And, it, and Kalijah or as known as the town of Bits became the most uh, one of the most successful towns in the entire country, uh, completely, you know, started with a, a former slave and he was giving opportunities to tons of other black people in the area. Uh, he levied that uh, and his son came around. All of his kids went to uh, college. They all got college education, which is, once again, yeah. unheard of, uh, so rare. Built an academy and uh, over 3,000 kids also were able to get an education and still working and math and the trade that was that was successful in the country. That's incredible. Um, Alabama Power, um, and hopefully they don't uh, <laughs> come find me, but Alabama <laughs> Power <laughs> uh, started building their, their, wanted to start building a dam for energy. Mm-hmm. And they ended up right shortly after John Benson died and his son died, they completely wiped out uh, and flooded uh, his town, uh, an adjacent town named Susanna uh, that had a gold mine, a pharmacy, and uh, like a bank, and as well as the the, the few remaining indigenous civil civil uh, towns and civilizations along that part of the river. 
And uh, so what I found was interesting is that all of, uh, all of the buildings are still pretty intact up under the water uh, behind the dam. Wow. And somebody I know actually dove down there and the post office is still intact. So um, oh, that was a really man. cool story uh, that I found. And one that I, I'm going to continue to do some work to shine some light on because uh, I think it's really important because it, it literally is the physical manifestation, manifestation of what a ghost would be. I'm sorry. I feel like you didn't need to rush through that. And I, I want to hear so much more about it. Not that you need to go on and on about it now. Oh, but I don't mind at all. <laughs> well, I just mean like that. Is, yeah. Why were you doing the wrap up sign while you was talking? You were, I was not. <laughs> no, I, I guess I'm like mixing up my words, but I just, that is such an important story. And Had you ever a, heard of that before cat growing up in Alabama? No, no. Yeah, you know I what? Didn't grow up in Alabama. I didn't grow up in Alabama, but oh, I could sure. also write a book on the things I was not taught <laughs> with <laughs> a lot of family in yeah. Alabama. The thing about this town, though, and these other towns is that, uh, you know, I, I grew up 45, 50 minutes away from Alex City. I constantly went to the lake and I had never heard about it. I never knew about it. And the only part of Kalijah that I actually knew was uh, an indigenous statue a park that they had made and a restaurant. And those are the only three things. Uh, and it's the only memory that you really have of what used to be. And it's not even about the town that was, I mean, an anomaly in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and it's not something that they have ever taught in any of our history books. You would never know no. unless you went digging for it. It kind of lit a fire up under you, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. To kind of twist the way that I tell my stories, uh, to go, if there was something that was hidden or something that we don't talk about, uh, to really try to shine a light on those stories to at least get people to look. Cause I, I only do one minute stories on purpose, but at least to go do some research, say, Hey, you know, I never knew this about the indigenous people that were here or mm -hmm. uh, the black people that were here or mm -hmm. the crimes that happened here or uh, why nobody talks about these stories anymore. So that's kind of a little bit of the purpose behind why I do what I do and kind of where the shift kind of happened as well. Yeah, I feel like there's so many stories like that too. That like, but like, so many that like, you know, I've never heard of. I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of. Do you know if there were any family members of people that lived there way back when and that kind of thing? Yeah, actually, uh, and this is the power of social media, I guess. Uh, one of the family members actually reached out. Like, there's a whole Benson family line that's still alive and alive and kicking so wow. uh, my assumption is that when they flooded the town they just relocated them but like there's direct mm -hmm. descendants for for john benson and his son william and so i thought that was really cool so uh i've been kind of poking around and asking questions and some you know the person that my source is a little bit older so it takes a little bit of time to get some information from right uh, it was kind of incredible to know that their family line was still was still around and i, and I don't mean to you know I like my stories to be for everybody, but there's some real hard truths, especially in Alabama, that we just have to talk about mm -hmm. because yeah. a lot of the paranormal activity or the things, the urban legends that come about started in not the best of light. And it's yeah. important that we tell those stories. Oh, 100% yeah. agree. Thank you so much for sharing. This is definitely my favorite episode we've ever done. So thank you wow. for sharing that. I'm just <laughs> saying. That's just punching strong. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. Well, thank you. <laughs> I will take that. Um, I mean, you're it, engaged. Settle down. It, it does. Oh. 
<laughs> Noah, you always make things weird. <laughs> it does make sense that like if if ghosts are people who've passed on who have a lot of grievances that like or like Alabama yeah. or like unsettled business or just like un injustices that never were addressed. The the South, but also probably just all of America <laughs> as a would have a lot of yeah. them. One thing I definitely want to do is go and Google all of that after hearing about it. I want to see pictures and, and everything I can find. I'm really curious to see what's out there. So Josh, before we get you out of here, is there any kind of last word or if there were something that you, I, I know you said a lot, but if is there something that you wish people would do their own research more about Alabama, you know, anything of that nature you want to leave with our audience? Yeah, mostly just that there is a lot of depth to Alabama. And I also started this uh, as I, I saw the Ghost Brothers on TV as well. So that was also uh, very pivotal, pivotal for me. I, I watched Ryan and Shane um, <laughs> on BuzzFeed Unsolved. I've been into the paranormal. JJ's and- mortal enemies. <laughs> I every time someone brings it up, I'm like, I need to, I need to watch one of their videos, I and mean, then as soon as the podcast ends, I I forget about it. So. Yeah, they they're the first people that I realize that you can sometimes throw a little humor in, and uh, I, I mean, I, I also grew up listening to Dave Schrader and just a lot of icons in the in the paranormal world. But I say all that to say this: there are people in Alabama who actually want to do more than talk about football, uh, which I love. And, and are more than just, you know, country bumpkins. We, we have depth to us. And a lot of the stories that come from Alabama have depth to them too. And I really want to, to shine a light on that and just also show for myself that other Black creators can talk about the paranormal and grow up in Southern Baptist Church and have all these different things that they're taught when they're kids and still grow up and be okay and comfortable talking about things that are kind of taboo in their community. So if there is anybody out there who who looks like me just know like there's a community out here it just takes a little digging and yeah. um Alabama has has some troubling history but also uh some really inspirational things in it as well I mean Benson is a or Collide is a really good example of that awesome well Josh where can our fans find you in the social media space yeah I can be found at Joshua Darren pretty much everywhere if you google me you're going to come across the music. So just scroll a little bit more. Um, also, or don't. <laughs> or don't. You know, I, you're right. Or don't. I, I made music in my past life. And by past life, I mean like six months ago. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's Josh, a long time ago in pandemic. Yeah, years. that's like five years, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely felt like it. Um, <laughs> and for those of you who may be questioning the spelling, it's D-A-I-R-E-N. So Joshua, D-A-I-R-E-N on all social medias and i will gladly interact with you with that i'm noah daniels i'm jj i'm kat i'm joshua (laughs) did we even explain to you what we were doing (laughs) or we're just like here say your name Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.